Let's turn to the New Testament book of Hebrews this morning once again. We have been in these rich fields plowing the whole way. Now the seeds are being planted in chapter 12 that will grow from the middle of chapter 12 all the way through the end of chapter 13. Follow along as I begin reading in Hebrews chapter 12 now. Verse 1, therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Would you bow as we pray and ask the Lord to oversee what we do with his word today? Lord, Father, God, these words are not the words of a mere man. These words were written by the hand of a man, and you wrote with him. You inspired these words, and Lord, we have been told by your word that your Holy Spirit will illuminate them to us. And I pray, Lord, for that illumination today. I pray for illumination of understanding. And I also pray beyond illumination for empowerment your Holy Spirit as well would act with our spirit and oversee our will such that we can do your will that is written here and run the faith race as those who have gone before and as Jesus, our great example, perfectly did. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. We started chapter 12 last week a series that will run for a number of Sundays, How to Run the Faith Race. We've looked at those who have already run their faith race and are gone in Hebrews chapter 11. They ran before. They reached a finish line, and they have passed off the baton of faith to us for us to run in our turn. And chapter 12 now becomes very personal. Personal to all of us, personal to every believer, therefore we also. A call of unity, even as we sang this morning, the us and the we of the church, that is the body of Christ, the family of God, but also is a field of runners running a race together, having received the go signal from God, and having been passed the baton by those who have already run. And now we run in our turn. But before we run, there are things we need to do that we started with last week. We started looking at three pre-run preparations 
that must be done before you enter the faith race. Before you start to run, what do you do? We looked at a couple of those last week. We looked at get motivated and get loosed. If we want to run the faith race, we need to have a reason to run. Why run? What is your motivation to run in the way God has called you to run? We know that we are there. It says, therefore, we also, in verse 1, and then as you travel along through verse 1, you see this command, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So there's not an option here whether or not your feet are placed on the track of life and you're at the starting line or in the starting blocks and that there will be a gun that is fired that says go. You are, if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you run. You're commanded to run. If you don't run, well, maybe you better find out if you're a Christian or not. But this is a characteristic of Christians, they run the faith race, and they run it by faith. But there are some preparations. The first was to get motivated, and we get motivated because we are part of those who have run before. We are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, and they are a motivation to us. Those who've gone before, they were able to do it no matter how hard it got for them, even being sawn asunder, living in caves and wearing skins on their backs. They continue to the end. Since they did, we can, by faith. So we have the opportunity to run and even the privilege to run in honoring our God and growing as we run. But then you need to get loosed. We looked at last week. Get loosed. Loosed from those things which will inhibit you when you run. Notice how it says it in our first verse. Let us, it's also a command, lay aside every weight. And this is referring to much of what we've studied already in Hebrews that is errant theology, wrong doctrine, and wrong ways of worship to include the worship of angels, to include legalisms that we bring into Christianity, and we think that we are being more spiritual by doing things by way of command that God didn't command. And they are many and multiple. Those are weights that weigh us down, like wearing overboots when you run and not track shoes. So we need to get loosed from those weights, those religious weights that we put on ourselves and are, have no part of running the faith race. We need to go on. Unless I get sucked into those deeper, I'll move on. We also need to get loosed from sin. And let us get lay aside every weight and, it says, the sin which so easily ensnares us. And it is true that sin is a trap. And snares are laid so that you don't see them clearly. And they're baited so that you'll want to go in and take the bait. But in the end, you're caught. And let's just say, if your feet are wrapped in a net, you're not running very far, very fast. If you're wrapped in the net of sin, you're only going to roll around so far, and you're probably going to need somebody to come help you get out of it. Which is why it's an us thing in the church. Sometimes we need each other to say, 
You're wrapped in a net of sin. Get out of it so we can start running here. The easy snares, and we all have them. We all got to recognize them, and we all have to fight against them, or you can't even start to run. Thirdly, and the subject of our focus for today is indeed that, focus. We have to get focused. The motivation to run, the getting ready to run, being loosed of the weights and the encumbrances, and then to get focused. Where are we going? What do you look at when you run? How do you stay going? And that comes to us in verse 2 of chapter 12, looking unto Jesus. To get focused, where do you look? Looking unto Jesus, it says, the author and finisher of our faith. This idea of vision, to look where you are going when you run. You can run all around, like they used to say in the old days, like a chicken with your head cut off. But when your head's off, you can't see where you're going. It is a subject for a lot of laughter, especially those of junior high age, it seems to be, that cutting a chicken's head off and watching it run around seems to be the height of humor. But they do not know where they're going, and it should not become so common within the church that we celebrate the activities of some that run around with a lot of energy and a lot of vigor, flapping their wings, if you will, and running all around, but are actually getting absolutely nothing done and going nowhere. Sadly, too many in the church have no focus, so they run without knowing where they're going or why they're going there. This looking in the Greek, if you'll pardon me or bless me for giving you this, there is some grammar here that allows us to understand the English. Certainly we have a participle in this in English, knowing that we're to looking, not just look one time and be done, but to continue looking. And the concentration is given to us in the form of the Greek word, which is a durative Present. Just that idea of duration in a durative means that you are to continue looking, constantly concentrating your vision upon Jesus while you run. Taking your eyes off of Jesus, you become the headless chicken. You become the one running around without knowing what you're doing or where you're going. The distractions of life are many. And it's easy. And the entire world's focus is to take your focus off of Jesus. Error, even in the church and outside the church, is designed to ruin your Christ-centered vision while you run. If you start the race, if you do not finish in the lane you were given, you don't win. You say, well, I ran and I ran and I ran. Yes, but you were in the woods and we were on the track. So you didn't make it. You didn't win. We have to look, as all runners know, if you're going to run a race, you have to know where it is you're running to. From the playground to the Olympics, there has to be a finish line. Amen? And that's what the fights come from on the 
playground when someone says, do you want to race? And you say, yeah. And right away, they, they will say, well, where are we running to? Where are we running to? And we all know the cheater because when you get there and if they don't quite win, then they'll say, no, I'm at the next place. Not the wall. I'm at the fence. Oh, that's cheating. It is cheating. And God doesn't cheat. He gives us the finish line of focus, and the focus is to be on Jesus Christ, the prize. The Olympics are coming up this summer. They will have starting lines, and they will have finishing tape. They've advanced the finish tape, and now you can have photo finishes. So we know exactly how many milliseconds ahead first place was from second place. But even though they are racing for that finish line, they want more than that, don't they? When you go into the Olympics, you're working toward a focused goal. And what is that goal? Everybody knows. Gold. The Olympic gold medal. You're not just trying to finish you know, nobody that you that is interviewed that has made the Olympic team says, hey, you know, I'm trying for third. Somebody else can have that gold medal. Somebody else can have that silver medal. I think the bronze medal is the real prize. That's the one I'm going for. No, gold is the prize. Silver and bronze, they're glad to get it, but they wish. They wish really bad they'd made gold. That's the focus. All the training that goes into it isn't for third place. It's for first place. So we need to look at this Jesus thing here. If we're supposed to focus on Jesus, and that's supposed to be how we run, and that's supposed to be the direction that we constantly look, well, what is that? How do we do that? We need to then focus, firstly, on how Jesus ran the faith race. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. We look unto Jesus who ran. He ran as the author, our text says, which means, by definition, to be the chief of faith, the prince of faith, the leader. It's better even defined this way, the first, the starter of faith unto salvation and in salvation. He is the first human. Hebrews has been very specific to mark out the dual nature of Jesus Christ, that he is both deity and humanity, that in that amazing happening where God became man and was born unto a virgin, we got to see, to look at, to focus on one who began in the manger as a baby and lived a life completely as a human. 
He laid aside his voluntary use of his attributes, and he started at square one, just like every other human being, and learned how to run the faith race. Jesus is the author in this sense. He's the first human to run the faith race and complete it without losing focus. Perfectly. But he had to learn along the way. Hebrews has marked this out. Notice Hebrews again, where we have studied not that long ago. Okay, maybe it was over a year. But nonetheless, you remember Hebrews chapter 2, verse 9. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 9, we read, But we, the author says, but we see Jesus, looking unto Jesus. Chapter 2, verse 9, But we see Jesus, listen, who was made a little lower than the angels. Made a little lower than the angels. He once sat in the position of God. And he laid that aside, and God then brought him through the virgin birth and made him lower than the angels in status to walk as a human. And we know it's human. Look at the next words. Lower than the angels. Listen, purpose for the suffering of death. He was brought in to suffer. Death then crowned with glory and honor that he, by the grace of God, may taste death for everyone. We suffer on the faith race. If you're going to run, if you're going to run for gold, if you want gold and not bronze, or if you don't just want to get a participation trophy, which means you've lost already, then you have to suffer to get there and go through it like Jesus did as the first, the author of running by faith. He, by the grace of God, might taste death for everyone. Keep reading in chapter 2, verse 10. For it was fitting for him. Fitting means the right way, God's way, God's plan for him. It was fitting for him as this preeminent author, human of faith, for whom are all things and by whom are all things. There's deity, even though he's that. In bringing many sons to glory, listen, to make the captain of their salvation perfect. That word captain is the same Greek word that we have translated in chapter 12, verse 2, as author. Author. He is the author of their salvation. The captain of their salvation in the preeminence of his position. But notice this to make the captain of their salvation perfect through suffering. Perfect through suffering, or if you will, complete. He ran the race to the end and got what the end of the race gave him, completion. 
in both being and in success through sufferings. There it is again. For both he who sanctifies, listen, and those who are being sanctified, that's us, are all of one. There's the unity of the cloud of witnesses in us again. For which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren, saying, I will declare your name to my brethren. When Jesus calls you a brother, he is saying you are one who is running the same race as a human that he ran by faith. Brothers and sisters run together because Jesus ran first. There are fellow runners. You, you know, the runner's world is, a, is not just a magazine, which I don't know if it still exists, but it used to exist. In, in runner's world and in the, the world in which runners move, there, there are some things that they always want. And, and even if they're kind of a casual runner and they're running a race, and oftentimes different towns, cities, at different times of the year, they put on special races. There's a 5K race and a 10K race. When did we lose miles? I don't know. But anyway. So they run these distances, and then there's a half marathon, and then there's a marathon. But if you're in those races, and you'll see people who are runners, from those races they receive something, don't they? A t-shirt. I ran the 5K on Saturday. You know, whatever it was. In Helena, they have the Governor's Cup. I ran the Governor's Cup 2022. There it is. And they're part of the club. The Runner's Club. And they want you to know they're part of the Runner's Club. Otherwise, nobody would want a t-shirt, right? It's like, oh, no. I just run. Doesn't matter. No, I was like, give me that thing. I did 5K, baby. That was something. And I'm going to wear it. And so that's what we have to realize, that we're part of this group that is running. Christ ran first. We run after him. We look unto Jesus, the one who started the race and finished the race right. But first, just stay on starting. Notice as well, in his run, he is the first to approach God behind the veil as a man. The veil in heaven, that is. Hebrews chapter 6, remember this. Verse 19. Here's a hope we're supposed to have. Also can be looked at as a focus. This hope as we run, this hope we have as an anchor for the soul both sure and steadfast, which enters the presence behind the veil. So this anchor for the soul isn't an object, it's a person. The object of our anchor that holds us in place and the focus of what we're looking at as we run is he who then went in the presence behind the veil, verse 20, where the forerunner has entered for us, even Jesus, having become high priest forever, listen, according to the order of Melchizedek, we have the first and highest of all priests, first forever, guaranteeing we'll get in. We can't go before God, lest the high priest Jesus went first. Note Hebrews 10. 
We follow Jesus with focus in the race, looking unto Jesus, verse 19, Hebrews 10, therefore, brethren, having boldness, here we are, to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus. Such is his example that it is completely sacrificial for us here where he comes in as high priest and offers his suffering sacrifice of his self, his own blood, his life. Blood means life. And in doing that, it says, by a new and living way which he consecrated for who? Us. There's the we and us again. We also let us run. He consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh. Speaking of his humanity in specificity because that's the only part that really relates to us. We can't look unto Jesus, the deity, before he came to earth and run like that. It's impossible. God gave us the example of Jesus coming as a man to run as a man by faith in his God, his Father, as a man and ran all the way to the cross, through the cross, up to heaven. How am I going to run to heaven? Think about it. At some point, I might lose my focus if someone had not gone before me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me, says Jesus, and the way you know. Hello? We don't know the way, said the disciple. Jesus said, you do know the way. He said, we don't know the way. What's the focus? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes unto the Father but through me. Have I been with you so long and you do not know? That you do not know me? That I'm the one that goes before you. I go to prepare a place for you. Keep your focus. Run. And don't give up. I'm going, you're coming, you'll come through me. Back to Hebrews 10, 21. And having a high priest over the house of God, listen, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of the faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience, that's laying aside the weight and the sin, and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. We're running and we're not going to waver. For he who promised is faithful. He made it. He says we can follow him. He said there's all these others that have followed and they made it to the end. Make it to the end. You see, Jesus has laid the foundation of faith in our hearts that he will finish the good work that he started and the race that he ran from start to finish as the author, we can run as well. See, what Jesus started, he already finished, the author and finisher of our faith. So, Jesus ran 
and we he ran as the first, and now we look to Jesus who finished first. Author, finisher. Finisher here is teleos again in the Greek. We've seen this rhetorical device used and centered upon this word throughout Hebrews as the brilliance of the writer comes through, reminding us again and again of process. That the human walk for Jesus is the same as the human walk for us as Christians. To follow him by faith. Depend on God for strength. To become complete. To finish. See, the author and finisher Perhaps if we go back once again to Hebrews chapter 5, this will come a little more clear. In Hebrews 5 and verse 8, it tells us this, though he was a son, though he was the very son of God, yet he learned. See, God, there's something about God as deity he can't learn. Why can't he learn? Because he already knows everything. He is omniscient. Before Jesus took on the form of a man, he knew everything. Once he came as a babe in a manger, he knew nothing. He, didn't, he was not born with language. He wasn't laying in the manger after birth and saying, You know, Mom, I'm getting a little hungry over here. I wonder if you might have time, if, you know, not too much trouble. You could maybe, you know, give me a little milk. You know, no crying he makes. I think that's a song, not a Bible. No. He started the way every child started, and he had to learn to follow his parents and then to follow God, his father. His, let me not go down that path. I'm stopping myself. Though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. He learned to obey through suffering. Does that resonate with anyone in this room who's a Christian? Say amen. The best lessons you've learned about following God have been through what? Suffering. The easy stuff we learn nothing from. It seems. Christ learned obedience by the things which he suffered. Verse 9, and having been perfected, there's that word in the Greek, teleos, that we have here as finisher, author and finisher. He started the human life. He lived the human life. He suffered in the human life. He obeyed in the human life. And having been perfected, listen, he became the author, different word now, cause of eternal salvation to all who obey him, to all who obey him. What did it say? To all who what? Let us run. Bang. Go. Why aren't you running? Let us run. Did you not hear the gun? Bang. Go. Run. What's wrong with you people? 
I mean, what would you think of the guy in the Olympics who when the gun goes off, he stands there and then starts waving at the crowd and then gets his country's flag and puts it over him, which is the new thing, and runs around. What would people be saying? Yeah, he's lost his bananas. You can't do that with unless you run. You have to run. But it seems like in this country and in the church world in which we live, so many people are being told, even from pulpits, that you don't have to run. You don't have to focus on Jesus or that you can run any way you want. Live any way you want. It's all running. It's all doing. Just do that. And here's a flag. Wear it around. The Christian flag. See how that works if you never ran, then you're not part of the club. You don't have the t-shirt. Run. To be perfected, to be completed, you have to run. Jesus ran as a great high priest even, but as a human. James makes it clear that we have to run and it will have a perfecting, if you will, a processing work in our life. Listen to James chapter 1, even just as soon as verse 2. You remember James is the faith, the faith book, right? This is practical faith. Just like we're studying here in Hebrews now, what does faith actually look like with tennis shoes on? James says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. I think that's called suffering. Knowing cognitive assent, part of it, realization with embrasure, meaning you say this is a good thing, knowing that the testing of your faith produces what? Patience which all of you want because you're running. If you're going to run a long time, you have to be patient. You have to be enduring. And it's going to take trials to get you better. But let patience, notice, have its perfect work. Oh, by the way, did, can I tell you what the uh, Greek root word for patience is here in James? Oh, teleos. Again, again, again. Let patience have its perfect work, or we might even say it's perfecting work, its ongoing process in our life. If you read in there perfect, all done in the sense of always been perfect as a state of being, you're reading it wrong. Even for Jesus, we said he learned he obeyed. He then finished. And for us as well, we learn. We obey until we finish. And it's a process of growing up to maturity to run better. But let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect, says it twice so you get it, and complete, lacking nothing. 
If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, not doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. You've lost your focus. Jesus focused on God the Father. Jesus ran without losing focus to the finish. And now I want to change and look at not just the how Jesus ran, but why Jesus ran. Our text says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, verse 2, who for the joy, here it is, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. We focus on why Jesus ran. How Jesus ran, we're going to run as he ran. How, why Jesus ran, we're going to run for the same reason. We're looking unto Jesus. And there are two reasons Jesus ran. First, he ran for joy. He ran for joy. You know, people who like to run, I hope this isn't too profound, but let me say it this way. They like to run. It's a joy for them. And some of you out there who have gray hair like me can remember a time in your life, and perhaps if you were one of those, where you loved to run. It's not everybody, maybe, but you love to run. It was just something to do. You didn't need somebody to watch you run. You ran for the joy of it. Somebody ran for the speed of it. Now I get on a horse, and I let them run, and I feel the wind in my hair again, and I say, aha. Now that's living. When you have it and you use it, it's a joy. Whatever God's given you and you have it, you use it in the race for joy because you know God gave it to you to use in the faith race. And you'll do it no matter what for the joy of it. And even unto as Jesus did, notice this, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Wait a minute. I was good with the joy thing, Pastor, until you brought this in. He endured the cross. That's not just death, although I'm calling it joy that faces the test of death, if you're filling in the blanks. Joy that faces the test of death, and it is a test. You know, and running's like that. If you're going to run, it's a test. You have to overcome yourself, your opponents, the conditions on the ground, the weather around you. Things that you don't expect to happen, that happen. Joy that faces the test of death. Notice God didn't say happiness. Jesus ran to make himself happy. No, he ran for the joy. That is a different sort of thing. If Jesus was running for happiness, he would not have prayed in the garden, Lord, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, thy will be done. 
He wouldn't have asked to not have to face the suffering of death on a cross if it was about happiness. It's about joy at the end of the run and joy to run. Notice, this is a testimony given in the first sermon on, if you will, First Church Sunday, given by Peter. Christ is gone. The crowds are there. Peter says, men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves also know. Peter goes on in his preaching, him being del delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God. Just chew on that for a few weeks, will you? That'll get you thinking. Him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken with lawless hands. Once you get the first part, then put the second part in and saying, who's a boss around here? God. Him, you're still responsible for, have taken him by lawless hands and have crucified him and put to death. Verse 24, whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death because it was not possible that he should be held by it. He faced it, yet it could not hold him. And David had said, for David says concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is at my right hand, that I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart rejoiced, and my tongue was glad. Moreover, my flesh will also rest in hope. He was not shaken in the faith race. He went on with the Lord with him to the rejoicing that was ahead through the trials of the race that always are there. Even if you enjoy running, you're still running through the pain. It'd be so much nicer to stop when the first inkling of the shortness of breath comes. When the first muscle starts to say to you, no more. When the agony goes on and you say, just a little water. Oh man, if these people were just a little slower. That I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart rejoiced and my tongue was glad. Moreover, my flesh will rest in hope for you will not leave my soul in Hades, said David of Jesus. For you will not leave my soul in Hades nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. You have made known to me the ways of life. You will make me full of joy in your presence. Unless you think that's just for Jesus, he's the first. He's the author. He's the finisher. Therefore, Paul can say this, and this should receive our focused attention as we run. What Paul said in Philippians to that church there in chapter 3, listen to verse 10. Paul says that I may know him. Who? Jesus. 
Well, doesn't Paul know him? No, he's looking unto Jesus, continually discovering more and more the whole time that I may know him, listen, and the power of his resurrection. That I may know that as you run, that's what you're asking. That I may know him, how he ran, and the power of his resurrection. You won't let my soul stay in Hades, nor will you let my your Holy One see corruption. You made known to me the ways of life, the power of the resurrection, listen, and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. I'm looking for resurrection and on the way suffering even unto death. That's the faith race. If you die, die running. Right? The baton has been passed into your hand and we all start the same way as a baby Christian. And we don't start off very fast as a baby Christian. We're crawling. And then we learn more and we start getting up on our feet and we start walking. And then we start running. The young man of faith running along. Whoo boy. We're spreading the gospel. We're doing things. We're taking names. We're laying them down. This is us. We're going. We're going to church. We can't get enough of the word. And then all of a sudden your body starts to fail. Amen. As you're still running. Or are you? Are you still running? Because the body is going to start going down and you're going to suffer more for running. The energy isn't there as much. Are you still running? Or are there a myriad of excuses for the gray-headed one that I don't have to run? I already ran. No, you run to the finish. And what's the finish? Death. That's where you pass the baton. And you run until then. So when you get older and you start walking a little bit with a tremble and you're not moving as fast, yet the weight of your focus will inspire others to catch up and to go on and to go through. But you're still running. Paul said, not that I've already attained. By running for a short period, you could attain it. Paul would have. He's one of the best of the best in the Bible, isn't he? And he doesn't say he's finished. Not that I've already attained, he says, verse 12, or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press on to the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Jesus Christ. Are you running? Are you pressing on? The force of will to finish the race even at the end of life with a kick. You have to save something in the tank, folks. If you're going to run to the end, you're going to need a kick. 
You have to be planning this out. I'm not using it all up here. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep building it up. And at the end, I am going to be flying. Back to Philippians 0 in every head looking. Chapter 3, verse 15. Listen. Therefore, let us, as many as are, what? Mature. What Greek word is that? From teleos, once again. Author, captain, complete, mature. The process, let as many of us have grown up from baby Christians to mature Christians, have this mind, pressing on, looking ahead, wanting the power to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to death. The older you get, the more pain you can take. I'll wrestle a young man that has just learned before I wrestle an old one who seems like he doesn't have anything left because the old one knows the tricks. The old one has felt the pain. The old one has gone through it, beyond it, and past what the young buck thinks he can do. He can take the pain and maintain and keep on going. That's where you want to end up. As many as are mature have this mind. If any of you think otherwise, in other words, wrongly, God will reveal even this to you, and you know how he'll do it. Suffering. Joy that overcomes the test of death. Then Jesus ran with a joy that overcomes the test of shame. Our text says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. If you're going to walk with Christ, you're going to walk in shame. If you want to walk with the cool people, get out of this church. This ain't the place for the cool people. This is the place for the shamed. The ashamed and the shamed. We're ashamed of our sins. We've been set free and we're running the faith race so that people can shame us just like Jesus who despised the shame, meaning he thought little of it. Galatians chapter 3 outlines it this way in verse 13. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become, listen, a curse for us. The most shame that could ever be heaped upon a person in the ancient world is to be a convicted criminal killed by the worst way in the world. Even the Bible, through the word of God, said, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, which Jesus did. Despising the shame of dying that way, God's only son as a human who ran the faith race unto perfection, to completion. Ended the race on the cross. What a kick! What a final dash to the finish line that was! What a test of suffering and pain! What a heaping upon him of shame. 
prophesy. Jesus. Who hit you? Jesus. King of the Jews. Ha, ha, ha. Here's your sign. You want a crown? We'll give you a crown. A crown of thorns. Here we go, boys. Are you thirsty? If you're a king, if you're so strong, get yourself off the cross. Well, I don't know if I can take this Christian life anymore. People around me don't like me because I'm a Christian. I mean, they didn't talk to me today at work. Yeah. Yeah, they didn't talk to me. Yeah. Well, and then these other people, you know, they, they don't, they don't want to get together with me anymore. Yeah. I heard them laughing about me. Yeah. So what? That's not why we run. That's not how we run. That's how we lose our focus. We despise the shame. Paul said in Philippians 2, 16, holding fast the word of life that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain nor labored in vain. Jesus ran for joy that overcame death and overcame shame. He ran for the joy set before him, our text says, and then sat down in completion at the right hand of the Father. And what was completion? It was this joy at bringing glory to the Father. Almost everyone running in the Olympics wants glory. And I hope they want it for this reason, for their country. That's what the Olympics is about. It's supposed to be selfless. Before they put your face on a cereal box, in reality, you should say, no, I don't want my face on a cereal box. I ran for the United States. And so should we as Christians not run for ourselves, but for the glory of God. That's whose team we're on. Jesus illustrated it this way by praying to his father before his death on the cross in John 17. The Bible records through the apostle John, Jesus spoke these words, lifted up his eyes toward heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son also may glorify you as you have given him authority over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I, he said, have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work you have given me to do. And now, O oh Father, glorify me together with yourself. 
See, together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was, we run for the glory of God like Jesus ran for the glory of God, knowing that we shall receive the promise of glory as a group of runners. That's the best T-shirt you'll ever get. You can wear it in heaven, but you can't wear it here. And then the joy of bringing salvation to the Israelites and the Gentiles. Let me give you a couple of references. Acts 5, 29. Another sermon by Peter, but Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you murdered by hanging on a tree. Him God has exalted to his right hand to be the prince and savior. Listen, to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. Jesus ran to give salvation to Israel and to the Gentiles. That's us. Galatians 3.13, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. And Jesus ran then for exaltation, for glorification of God and then for the exaltation of his position, Hebrews began this way, chapter 1, verse 3, who, speaking of Jesus, being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power when he had by himself, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of majesty on high having become so much better than the angels, remember, made a little lower than the angels for the suffering. And then now, having become so much better than the angels, as he has, by inheritance, obtained a more excellent name than they, the exaltation of Jesus Christ. What is it that a Christian can expect for running the race? exaltation, the glorification unto your Father and His glory upon you, and exaltation, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6, Paul, I am already being poured out as a drink offering. The end of the race, that's how it feels. The pitcher is tipped up, the remaining water in the pitcher is at an end, and you realize it's getting close to an end, and he says, I'm already being poured out like a drink offering presented before the Lord as a sacrifice. Everything in my pitcher I pour. And the time of my departure is at hand, Paul says. He's about ready to hand off the baton. He says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the... Faith. Faith. How to run the faith race. I've kept the faith. Finally, he says, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. A crown of righteousness. 
I thought it was just t-shirts, Pastor said. No, he was wrong. It's a crown. And is it just for Paul because he ran better than you? Because you know he did. And we might just say, well, quit because you can't do it as well as him. Ha ha. Listen. Which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. And not to me only but also to all who have loved his appearing, we run. And we don't quit. Agony, death, shame, suffering, go on for the glory of God, for the exultation at the end. The race is not the end, it's the race and the end is better than the beginning. Let's pray. Instill in us the right focus, O Lord our God. In Jesus the Christ, the author and finisher of our faith, and let us run and let us run after him, looking unto him, that we might finish as he for your glory unto exaltation. And may many be saved through the message of Jesus that we carry as we run. The suffering Savior who died in shame on a tree.